Welcome to Protecting Our Freedoms podcast. I'm your host, Joy Vachebeck, here with my co-host, Mark Renahan. How are you doing, Joy? Good, Mark. How are you? I'm very good. Welcome back. This is our third in our four-part series on Afghanistan, uh, titled Perspectives on Afghanistan, Past, Present, and Future. Today we have our special guest with us. He is a retired Army Ranger and Green Beret. Please support these programs by going on YouTube and Rumble typing in American Security Council Foundation. Please subscribe to our channel and comment. You can also go on our website at www.ascf.us. Yes, today we have a special guest for part three in our Afghanistan series. Of course, we had our first two parts earlier. We had Beth Soraka. She was a former police officer who went over to Afghanistan and worked with the Afghan police and women's Afghan police. We had Tyler Burke, a former Army tanker who is now a CEO of an aerospace company, who told us of his experience. So today we have with us a retired Green Beret Army Ranger, Mr. Nason Miner. Nason, how are you today? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks Hi, for coming Nathan. on our show. So, Nason, we usually like to dive right into it, and I thought maybe you could just give us a a quick bio on where you're from and how you got involved with the Army and became a Green Beret. Well, uh, yeah, I was a, a junior at uh, Penn State um, in 1990 when Desert Shield started, uh, which was kind of like the first big uh, big war. I mean, I vaguely remember Panama and stuff like that being on the news when I was in college, but um, first, like, big thing since Vietnam, so that's, I don't know, I had a calling to go do it, and that's what I did, so um, by the time I went in, it was very early, 1991, and the war was over by the time I was halfway through basic training as 11 Bravo, mm. I wanted a ranger contract, um, so I was like, shit, that sucks, uh, what's gonna, you know, what's life gonna be like now, that's why I joined, but uh Either way, um, I went through Airborne School, RIP, uh, which was Ranger Indoctrination Program. Now it's RASP, uh, Ranger Assessment, something. I don't know. Um, got hurt during that. Uh, kind of, I finished all the um, uh, requirements, but need to say I got bounced from there to Panama. Luckily, showed up with Colonel Wagner at the time. Ended up retiring four-star general, um, who was a little helpful in getting me to go back once I uh, go back through RIP again after I finished two years in Panama. Um, so I did RIP again. Uh, little uh, spent probably about uh, a year in 82nd um, before that, and. Um, Went back rip again, and then got to finally go to great. And that was such a big deal to me, by the way. Um, it was, you know, everything to me. That's all the guys that I looked up to when I was going through. I believe me, I got to know about Panama and Grenada and stuff like that um, after it was. Uh, and so I had some leaders in during those those times that were pretty instrumental in my life and what I looked up to and what I want to do. Uh, I got a knock, so I knocked out two more years with them. 
went to selection for um, special forces, and so 1996, I was going through the key course. I ended up, unfortunately, getting a weapons sergeant, which honestly, I'd been to you know sniper school, ranger school, and foreign weapons school by that point, and that was really not what I. There's four MOSs. Um, you can start off in SF with and then of course we had an intel guy and an officer and a warrant officer but it's um, there's a weapon sergeant there's a senior in a Bravo there's a communication sergeant of course uh, senior and uh, junior medical uh, uh, I'm sorry an 18 Delta some medic but they're like phenomenal medics I mean you're talking about the best that we have in the military they're, they're incredible and that's what I wanted to do is it you know, creates a, an opportunity for further education, right? I mean, nobody's really, nobody cared. I could tell you before 9-11, nobody cared about some ranger sniper, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, nobody cares. Uh, but, you know, going to the medic course would have done that. So that's what that's what I was interested in doing. And then uh, I think, did I leave out Charlie? Uh, that's our um, explosive slash engineer on the team. It's, it's actually an engineer, so that's what their title is. So I was, Bravo did super unhappy with that, but on active duty, you get what you're given. You're also given what language you're given, what group you're going to, and that kind of thing. Where um, where I eventually ended up, so I went to seventh group, and uh, once I finished the key course, spent two years there. Um, I knew I was getting out probably halfway through the Q course because one of the strangest things that uh, – I ever realized what there was actually special forces, green berets in the National Guard. There was National Guard units. Matter of fact, you guys, are you guys where are you guys at? You guys in Mass? Uh, no, I'm yeah. I'm actually originally from Boston, but way down here in Florida. Yeah. Uh, I've had enough of the snow, Nason. So <laughs> I'm I'm I've retired down here. I'm originally from well, Philly, but Boston's <laughs> uh, well, nice. Right uh, currently, I'm right near Philly. Uh, okay. Like, uh, but anyway, um, Florida. Oh. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of people listening to this, probably. There's yeah. a large contingent of all of us there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had more run-ins. Anyway, I, <laughs> uh, where was I at? Where did I leave off at? You were talking about how the National the, Guard had special forces. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. So you've got a battalion down there in Florida, right? Um, that's 3rd Battalion, um, which is... I blew my mind when, you know, when I'm going through the Q course, I'm like, wait a second. And this is like the mid nineties, right? So, um, I was talking to this one guy that was from Chicago and I was like, well, what do you do, man? Like, what's your, what's your real life job? And, uh, he's like, oh, I'm a stockbroker. And I'm like, aren't you guys knocking hand over fist right now? And, you know, in the market, like, what are you doing here? You know? And so to me, it was, it was crazy, but I, I kind of set up a plan because, you know, by the time, I, by this time, I'm, like, starting to get to my later 20s, and I'm like, you know, I've got, I'm going to weddings, friends back home up in Vermont, um, or, you know, around the country with people I went to college with, you know, they're buying homes, and, you know, I'm still just, like, the 20-year-old still living that life, you know what I mean, as a older 20 year old so you know I thought I wanted to go out and give it a try and I actually so there's one in Massachusetts that's why I thought I thought you guys were up in Massachusetts for some reason and um, 
think I spent a year there because uh, I tried to go home and uh, I was just doing applications, Border Patrol, you know, other government agencies. And um, eventually had a recruiter down in Ohio. And um, so this goes back to what I was saying. Nobody really gives a shit about a guy that, that can I say, can I swear like that? I'm sorry. That's, 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 it happens. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, but nobody cares, you know, pre, like pre 9-11, nobody really cared. So I remember uh, it was a headhunting firm that I used and um, they like there'll be a bunch of companies at a hotel and they'll have the suites and, you know, you'll get like these briefings in their like uh, convention area and whatnot. But they'll be in like different suites throughout this hotel and you don't if they want to interview you, you know, they get all of our resumes and if they want to interview you they'll uh, you know you'll get called up to one of those suites so I'm, I did like probably two or three and I think the third one the guy they just always seem to focus on my and that was you know the majority of that was all of my experience was um, that was um, military but it wasn't anything about like management questions it was more just like questions about well, what was it like, and you know, being a Green Beret. What was what's the difference between a Ranger and a Green Beret? And blah blah blah, that kind of thing. What like, Mason? Hey, what no. were you looking for at that point? Honestly, anything because my wife was pregnant, <laughs> mm. and um, you know, we already had one, and uh, it was just uh, Vermont is a wonderful, great place to grow up, and uh, it's just not the easiest place to find employment um it's just you know and it's cold there like, Nathan. Very cold. Like, <laughs> like yeah i i had to most people i'm not saying all but most people have to kind of leave that area to unless you're in the trades or something like that and then it's going to take you like some years to you know build your name and have your own business and whatnot i mean i have some friends that are very successful up there um but so what year? What year was this? Nineteen. I'm sorry, two thousand. Okay, 2000. so right, so before nine eleven. Yep, right before nine eleven. I got out in ninety nine, off of I left him group, and uh, then I went to, I went home to Vermont. I was in twenty group up in Mass. Uh, great guys, definitely different then. I can say that um, there is a bit of what you would think the National Guard is pre nine eleven. Older guys, maybe that probably should have retired, you know, years before that. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, just nobody cares. So I figured out during these interviews, they had no, they just, they probably had so many stupid or so many uh, people they were bored asking the same questions. They just want, so I asked the guy, Is there, are you actually looking for me? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. No, we just, you have an interesting resume and we just want to talk to you. And I was like, oh. Okay, great. Well, eventually I got hired at a, uh, by international paper. And, um, man, that was horrible. That, that job sucked. That was the worst job I've ever had in my life. Uh, being a supervisor in a union plant, box plant. Um, Special forces of the paper factory right, didn't right. fulfill your <laughs> dreams, Nathan? Uh, you know, it, you know, at the end of the day, you're just managing people, right? And, uh, so, you know, and I'm just thinking about taking care of my family, right? I just want to do them while I, you know, we didn't know them. That was the first time we 
bought a house is when I when I got that job. That was the first home we ever owned. I ever owned. Um, so that that was my thought process, right? I'm just trying to take care of my family, you know, start saving for college, you know, whatever. Just trying to take care of my family, and uh, <laughs> man, that was. It was just, I like, I just ate shit sandwiches when I walked in um, from senior manager. It was all about waste, all about numbers. Mm. And then you'd go to the floor and, you know, if I could get, if I had half of that crew work even half as hard at their job as they did not working their job, it would have been really, it would have been a different story. You know, there's only, uh, by the way, just <laughs> for your there's only two profitable box plants within international paper, and international paper is huge. You know where they both are? They're in Maine, and they're both non-union. Not that I'm like trying to smash union people, but you know that, that was the fact of the matter. <laughs> <laughs> From ever on Jeopardy, now I know. <laughs> I, I can understand our, a little, um, not myself, but my husband, as we talked offline, was infantry. So he's coming from this high intensity to a yeah, job, management I, job that he's just bored at. So <laughs> I can imagine your feeling. Well, nobody, you know, you you know, you have the mission, right? You have the, and we'll get into mm. this. One of the things we'll probably talk about in a little bit. But, uh, you know, you're given a mission, right? And then you have the commander's intent. And then you have an end state, right? And this is what, you know, you are completing. Like, however you get to there, and, you know, depending on what kind of unit you are in, um, you have more control on how this gets done versus uh, it's more driven from senior officers if you're more in, like, an infantry unit, right? So, uh, but at the end of the day, everybody knows what the mission is and commander's intent and the end state, right? That's Everybody knows that because that's why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is where we'll get into something later as far as my opinion. Uh, I'm not saying this is, you know, SF guys' opinions or, um, you know, I I, I had no combat experience with uh, Range Regiment, but that's a place that uh, builds you to, I mean, your foundation in a place like that will set you up for success in anything but definitely another military unit. And most guys move on to other units. I think the majority of the people that are in uh, the Army's SMU, uh, the, the highest percentage come from Ranger Regiment. So, um, yeah. Nathan, not, not to jump ahead too much, but where were you when September 11th happened is what I was going to get at. Good question. I, I literally had uh, movers, I mean to uh, move our stuff um, into our new house we just bought in uh, Ohio. And I remember, uh, um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, that was uh, a different day. Uh, but I was in Ohio, and it was it must have been my off day because my wife, uh, oh, no, because I, I worked third shift. So, again, this is years ago. You're talking, what, 20-something years ago yeah. in my head. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely in Ohio, but I remember my wife waking me up. And um, at first it was, uh, you know, it, it was kind of like one of those things. Is this, this is just a terrible accident, right? But then you get to, then you're watching what happened, you know, the second one go into the tower. And then, and then um, 
you know, the Pentagon. And I, by that time, now I'm freaking out. Now I'm losing my mm. mind. And um, so I was with actually 19th Special Forces Group um, in Ohio. So I never had any breaking service. That was always a good thing. Uh, so when I left Massachusetts, I went to 19th Special Forces Group. Um, and so it, it was like everybody's calling. Right, well, let's go. Or, like, I guess we need to get to the unit, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And um, so within, I, I had all my prep pack and then uh, that I had with me that wasn't in the team room. And we all ended up down there. I think we were there for like three or four days. And um, this was, <laughs> it's, it's funny because this is where things started to get cleaned up and uh, say in the National Guard and Reserve as a whole, not just uh, Special Forces units. Because there's not very many, right? There's, you know, they're kind of spread out throughout the country, but there's not a, a lot of them. And um, so uh, what they did, they decided they were going to use our battalion, second battalion, which was, you know, kind of crazy because, uh, you know, we're a National Guard. Now, of course, this group is definitely doing this, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I just was surprised that they were going to be bringing on a National Guard unit. Uh, along with everybody else that they were using. So either way, but this was the beginning of some huge mistakes. So our, everybody wants to get into the fight. I know that kind of sounds a little weird, like that people are, like, people will do anything to get themselves into it because of things like Panama. I mean, even, even Desert, Desert Storm was, what, 100 days? Uh, but, you know, most people, I pretty much assume thought this was going to be months-long war, not 20-year-long mm. war. And uh, so everybody's fighting. And this is particularly true with officers, right? Because, you know, this is probably they're, they're punching a ticket to uh, at least colonel, if not their one-star, you know, that kind of thing. So um, our battalion commander and, you know, with everybody arguing there's three battalions in each uh, um, I'm sorry there's uh, three companies in each battalion and um, so he decided to take one company the group commander I'm sorry not our battalion commander decided to take one company from each battalion and make it like a composite battalion which is a terrible idea and it turned out to be really not good so uh, of course for us, Second Battalion, um, Charlie Company was co-located with uh, our battalion. So, who do you think was going from our battalion? Even though we were going under our battalion, they were going under our battalion flag. So, uh, we already had some angry guys when we, you know, basically we got sent home and you know, watch it on TV, right? So, um, but then we kind of got a reprieve later, right? So now. Um, I would say, God, when did we start talking to Rex? Like maybe it was definitely an O2, right? Like we were, now we were starting to almost turn the page into O2. Mm -hmm. And um, oh, it was definitely until O2 because it was October by the time we'd gone into Afghanistan besides uh, OGA and stuff like that. But uh, so, so, so you went into Afghanistan and then they sent you back home for a while? No, no. Oh, this is at the unit at our uh, in um, Rickenbacker Air Force Base down in Ohio. They were just basically we were there for 
days, I'd say, and then they, once the decision was made that they were going to make a composite battalion under our flag of each company from, one company from each battalion, because he was trying to spread the wealth, so to speak, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, which was a ridiculous idea, and it, that's why it was never, ever, and never, ever will be done again, I don't think. Um, but, um, so, let me say, i say, what, a year later or something like that, um, we are going to Kuwait for Iraq. And um, at that time, I think it was Desert Springs. It was a, a reoccurring mission, kind of like the Flintlock in Africa or something like that. And um, so everybody's like, all right, well, at least we got this, right? So now, you know, we're over there, we're in Kuwait, and you're seeing the buildup of it and buildup of it, but it just kept on getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And, uh, and eventually it was our time to ro- rotate out. And, uh, we got relieved by another, uh, a, a, a battalion or definitely our, our company got relieved by a company out of Washington State from 19th group. So now you're talking about guys pissed off all over again. And then on top of it, not only are we doing that, but we are, we're only going back to the States to refit to go to the Balkans and, uh, take over that mission from, I think 10th group was running at the time. So now you're talking about some just seriously angry group of guys that are just pissed that they're missing out on this again. So, uh, then that was, we did that. It was all, uh, it was all low level source operations that, you know, were kind of, it was kind of done there. It's it kind of been done there for a while. Um, but the Rolodex had kind of changed from Serbian uh, war criminals to Albanian war criminals, or some of the stuff that Albanians had done. And, you know, we said, we had some successes there. We, we captured a guy that was a high value. Uh, he was the first guy that we sent to the Hague that was Albanian. So that was kind of cool. So when did you actually get into Afghanistan? 2004. Okay. 2004. Nason, I got a quick question for you. Uh, I I know you can't, obviously, as special operator, tell us everywhere you've been in the world. But in regards, I know, you know, to a lot of your travels, was Afghanistan one of the uh, rougher places, is the word I'll use, compared to other places you have traveled? Uh. Well, definitely. So, you know, I'm sure you've talked to, if you've already had two people on, they told you that there's the Kabuls, there's the Kandahars, there's the Mazasharis, there's the Jalalabad, um, and to some extent, Herat. But for the most part, you know, you get outside of there, you know, you get out into like the Hindu Kush or, or whatever, um, Pisa area, or now you're talking about like, <sighs> It's almost like they live in the days and times of Jesus Christ, except for you see cell phones, a car, and like plastic Coke bottles and stuff like that. But the whole idea of living like tribal and you're, there's an animal pen within their compound, like where they live, you know what I mean? Dirt floors. Uh, it's yes and no. I mean, I look at it and if you're talking about Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, um, you know, it's pretty rough for these, you know, the people are pretty poor there too, but uh, as far as just like kind of Stone Age play, uh, you know, Kabul is like, I would call, it's obviously not, I'm not saying Kabul is DC, but 
the way we see D.C. here in this country is what Kabul would be to um, Afghanistan. Yeah, we so did We did hear that from some previous guests as well, yeah. that they felt the same thing. It was very much going back, way back in time. Going oh, to Afghanistan. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like way back. Other than, like, you know, some things that you see, right? But, you know, the garb, um, the way, uh, you know, I... I wouldn't really say how women were treated. I mean, this is their culture. Mm. Uh-huh. But apparently but, uh, at one time it was flourishing prior to all the Taliban. Again, that, that would have been in the city, though. You know okay. what I'm saying? So, I mean, when you're talking about Hazarans that, you know, are really second-class citizens of that country, uh, you know, I, the Tajiks, uh, I mean... It's definitely, it, it's kind of, it's very, it, there's so much there. That, that's what I'd say. And, it, and it's really, there's some really beautiful spots. It's just very harsh terrain. I never made it to Kandahar. Okay. I mean, I made it as far south as Ghazni on a particular mission. Um, but that, uh, that's on the road from Kabul. That's kind of like in between, in, uh, excuse me, Kandahar and uh uh, Kabul or Bagram. Bagram was fairly close, which is, um, I don't know if anybody talked to you about Bagram. Right, but it's, yes, uh, yes, yep. it's like the main place in Afghanistan. So, which is where we sh- should have done this evacuation from. I, I, <laughs> we, we've, we've heard that a lot, actually. <laughs> is there a green zone but in Afghanistan, like in Iraq? That would be what would be the equivalent of, of green zone in Iraq. Okay. Well, Joy had a good question for you that yeah. I'm going to let her ask you. And so you were there in 2004. Uh, I, my understanding was... Yeah, then I... So, before um, you ask, like, this is where it picked up for Afghanistan. Okay. I was there 2004, 2005, 2006, 2009, to 10. So, okay, so, uh, so you have some experience. Where, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's where, so, right? I'm, I'm highly here, you know, and, you know, you're expecting a lot, right? You're, you're not there at the beginning. You know, the beginning of the wars are always... Pretty straightforward, right? It's like, hey, fix the, you know, find fix the enemy and terminate it. You know, I mean, it's it's the easiest during this time. It gets stupid and harder, and as the war goes on, to do the right things because there's so many more constraints start happening, and then they start adding. Uh, you know, 2009 was definitely that was the surge. Um, and that's when they want the Afghan faith with it. So. And that leads right into my question, um, Nathan, is that, you know, it, in your opinion, is it better to just get in, get the mission done, and get out? Or what do you think about this nation building that continued on now for 20 years? So I can't tell you exactly when, but I remember it very specifically. By the way, I, I voted for, uh, actually, I didn't, but I, I support, I, I never voted when I was actually in the Army. I just felt like there was something wrong, and I know we're allowed to. And I, I, but either way, that was who I supported was W. George W. Bush. He was, um, man. If there was one of the presidents I wanted to meet, it would have been him. But uh, at the time, so if you remember, I'm pretty sure he said that we were not going to be nation builders in one of the state, state of the union addresses. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Um. So, um, yeah, I'm not in favor of uh, nation building, especially in a place like this. Um, 
you know, if there's a chance to do it, more so would have been Iraq and Afghanistan. But, uh, you know, the way we conduct war um, is not like World War Two. I mean, first of all, there was rotations. At first, they were longer rotations, and then they were shorter, and it depended on what unit you were with. Um, I know Ranger Regiment did uh, much shorter, but they were busy as hell in Iraq. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But the idea of... Uh, changing a culture. I mean, we would have had to have been there 200 years. Mm. I mean, if you, if, you know, Alexander the Great can't, you know, calm this area and take it, uh, not to mention everybody else that's ever been through there. I mean, What's the nickname? Empire Graveyards or something like that? Or the Graveyard? Hey, it, it's the idea of us putting in a government um and not willing to be there until generations die off. I mean, if you ever read Charlie Wilson's book, I mean, um, at the end, what if we had supported um, supported uh, the Northern oh God, uh, the Northern Alliance? They were called. I'm just having a brain fart right now. But, I, I know yeah. you're referencing. Yes. Um, once we come, the Russians left. You know. Now it's over for, you know, our senior heads of government, right? It's over and, you know, we're, well, there's a huge vacuum and not to mention the majority of uh, males or a lot of them were killed. So you're left with like these young boys, right? And they're super impressionable. The education system's already not there. So it's just right for an Al-Qaeda or a Taliban to come in and, you know, just become what it became. You know, and I mm-hmm. think there was a warning from an agency guy uh, that was like, hey, man, this is not now is the time where the work begins to help support them. And I'm not talking about us being there and staying there, but, you know, we, we probably should have helped support that group to form a, a government and let them decide on who the government is going to be. Um, and maybe we wouldn't have, wouldn't have been where we were at. I'm, you know, who's to say, I, you know, you can't go back in time and say, oh, this happened, then this wouldn't have happened. But um, probably much better chances of success back then. So anyway, uh, this is what happens with SF. This is where we are Green Berets. We're, we're, we, it's part of our Q course to do unconventional warfare, right? That's, we have a huge exercise at the end um, that's called Robin Sage. Afghanistan is exactly what Robin Sage, at least Afghanistan, you know, October of 2001 was what our Robin Sage is. For, and we've been doing it for years. And we're the only special operations uh, unit to do this. So this is kind of like the bread and butter of, and that's why you saw it was, what, four ODAs, some OGA guys, and the Air Force that took over the country. That was it. That was all in the Northern Alliance, of course, right? Because that's what you want. You want the people to take care of their own country. Mm-hmm. But that's how Afghanistan fell. Four ODAs, uh, Air Force, and OGA guys in the Northern Alliance. Nathan, that's for people what, listening, ODA is a... I'm sorry, that's a, uh, Operation Detachment Alpha. That's an A-team, if you remember that show in the... Mr. 80s. T, of course. <laughs> So, what's that? 
I said Mr. T, the A-team, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love it when a plan comes together. Nathan, we only have about, like, seven minutes left. So I wanted to get real quick, and Joey's going to ask you about the, what do you think about today um, and what just happened? And, Joey, you want to? We've talked to uh, two other guests, and they both alluded to this humanitarian crisis now that's happening in um, Afghanistan since we left pretty abruptly. What are your thoughts on the future there? Uh, well, um, so my initial thoughts were not bright. And, um, you know, I've, I work for the government now, but um, I'm not in quite that arena anymore. But friends of mine that are, um, I, from what I'm being told, the um, Taliban are interested in being recognized as a uh, legitimate government. Um, and part of the issue that we had with the evacuation is it wasn't so much, I, if you watch the news, you would have thought, oh my God, the Taliban are keeping them from going out. No, the, the hang up, and, and I'm, I'm sure there was some of that, and I'm sure there was the regular crap that comes with the Taliban. Uh, but the leadership of the Taliban was like, hey, we are not, the holdup with these civs and, you know, whatnot is not us. It's, you guys, it's your country with the State Department. So uh, I think there's some blame to go around, so to speak, as far as this is concerned. But definitely, definitely the idea of using Kabul Airport to bring out our people was just crazy. I mean, can you imagine trying to get everybody to D.C., that kind of traffic? It's insane there. Um with traffic where Kabul was what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes away, super secure. Uh, we already had an airfield there with mm-hmm. a, a tower that was still the original tower that was there previously. I mean, like I said, it, that, that would have been the place to do it and you would have had a better chance of vetting some of these people. Um, I did do one thing uh, that was further on into the evacuation where we were just uh, supporting by bringing the plane full back from Germany. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, maybe I'll be able to at least ask about some of my interpreters or something like that. And uh, and you're talking about, like, three people, oh, you know, it's like uh, somebody that was their sister and their her entire family that's on this. I, I remember asking somebody, like, is it? there are any interpreters on this flight whatsoever and they're like no there's nobody like that on this flight and you know this is i was pretty sure what we were trying to do is get these people back now not so much the you know three people away family and their family members of them that you know like i said like say this one person worked cleaning at the uh, embassy so now they're getting like their sisters that had nothing to do with anything to do to help out the, you know, whatever they, whatever jobs within the government, whether it's an embassy or a Bagram or whatever, and her entire family. I mean, that's just, I don't think that's what people are hoping to bring back, right? I mean, we'd love to help the entire country, but that's. I've noticed that with a lot of the, the vets I've talked to, a lot of you guys have, like, uh, really strong relationships with the, the interpreters. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, my, my cousin, just everyone I've talked to is... Well, you guys fought with. I yeah, mean, I know. about mm-hmm. ours. Um, and, you know, we had, you know, 
it's not his real name. So Sammy uh, was one of the, our, he was one of our level three Terps, which just means that he can work with sources and stuff like that. So he was actually, he had lost his entire family already. And um, he was a converted Christian. And the other Terps that we had with us, interpreters with us, knew that. And so he was already, even within his own group, was ostracized. So, you know, it's people like that that gave up everything to help us. Now, granted, they got paid, you know what I mean? And they got paid well for what you could earn there. But at the end of the day, and, you know, some of them are just there for that. That's what they're, I mean, it's a job, right? And, you know, that's why I took my job in international paper. I want to take care of my family. I, not necessarily that I love the job, but um, that's that's the same thing with these guys. So um, I just think the idea of, uh, you know, trying to build these schools and it was always a, I get the idea behind it, right? It's a noble cause, whether it's the women's police force, right? You had somebody on right. doing that. Yes, yes, that's uh, You know, I, look, at these people take the, those jobs seriously, but if you know if you're not going to be there for a long, long time, it's this is all just wasted money. You think that's staying around? It's not going to stay around. There's no way. I mean, so going back to one of your original questions is no, uh, What's the desired end state? What 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 do we want to do? Focus on that, complete that, and then bounce. We're done. Now, do I think because of you know this is where it gets confusing? I'm like we should have left in 2004, 2005. Once we started just killing Al Qaeda guys, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Taliban guys, and that was predominantly what we were after. I mean, that's kind of got to, if you remember, we didn't invade Afghanistan because of the Taliban. Right, right. It's because the Taliban wouldn't hand over al-Qaeda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then what did we do? We put in Karzai, right? And where was Karzai before this? I can tell you, he wasn't in Afghanistan. <laughs> so, like, it's, these things just don't work. They never have and they never will unless you're willing to do, like, a Germany where you just stay there. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. I, you know, if, we're still in Germany side. today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if we, like, now on the flip side, I would say we could have kept Bagram because now, like, we like we have, what, you have Iran to the west, right? You've got China to the east. Now, what are we going to use if we have, as a staging point, if we have something in that area? You know, we could have easily kept Afghan, or Bagram with, like, 2,500 people, a rotation of a, a strike force of some sort, um, and really let Afghanistan still run Afghanistan, right? Like, hey, we're not interested in what you're doing politically or whatnot. We just need this space. And um, so I, that's what I think we... I, I, so it's like I'm, I'm here saying we should leave, but at the same time, like, there's a group that should have stayed, I think. And, you know, you still have human intelligence, which is always going to be better than, you know, drones and... I mean, human intelligence is where it's at, right? You go any war in history, you hold the ground, right? and that's the, that's always the hard part of holding the ground. So, and well, I believe that's what's happening in Iraq right now as well, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Nason, we are unfortunately coming to the end of our little time block here, and I know you are enjoying your Saturday off, and I don't want to hold you too too much longer. I have one last quick question um, that I've asked a couple of the guys who were there. 
Uh, are you, and I, I don't know. I don't want to insult her. Are you angry or in any manner at, at how the withdrawal happened or anything like that? I know that some of the guys were kind of like, I spent a lot of time there, and now it's back in the Taliban's hand. But just wanted to just get your last quick response on that. So, just like everything else, you know, you find it, you initially find out something like on the news, right? And uh, you know, the way the news, and I don't care which affiliate you watch. Um, yeah, I was definitely angry. Um, I was really mad. Uh, enough so that I wasn't taking phone calls. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I was... I we was spoke dead. to many guys during it who called uh, into us and, uh, with some interesting uh, yeah. <laughs> suggestions and ideas. And I believe, just like yourself, they had... Uh, and, and you're 100% correct. It doesn't matter what side of the news you're watching. They'll frame it to, to get you angry or happy, depending on what your side is. Right. So I, I think uh, I, I know I was surprised to hear from somebody that's still kind of, you know, work, working it from the United States that uh, I was really surprised to hear that the Taliban wanted to be considered a, a legitimate government. And, you know, I think there's maybe I, there, there's never going to be hope that of what we were trying to make Afghanistan. Um you know, they just won't. I mean, it's an Islamic Republic. Uh, and, you know, that culture is different than ours. Like, trying to make, you know, bring our values and our, our way of doing things to these other, you know, nations, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like, you, you, it's just not going to be. Um, you can make all the suggestions you want, but, you know, these people have lived like this for thousands of years. <coughs> Well, Nathan, I want to thank you so, so much for coming and talking to us. We are unfortunately coming to the end of our time here. But uh, for those of you watching, today was part three in Perspectives on Afghanistan. Retired Green Beret and Army Ranger Nathan Miner was with us today. Nathan had several tours in Afghanistan as well as worked for our country pretty much his whole life since he's been an adult. So, Nathan, thank you so much for your service. Uh, if you're ever down in Florida, my friend, you, uh, you have a steak dinner or whatever you like to eat waiting for you. Well, I actually live down there now, so I just happen to be up here for work. I'm up here for all right, well, I'll, I'll talk to our, our mutual buddy, and we'll we'll all have to get together to have a little fun. Okay, bye. All, all right. right. Hey, Thanks uh, a lot, Nathan. Thank for you, those Nathan. of you watching, yeah, we, you can follow us on Facebook. We're on YouTube, Rumble, Instagram, all the social media platforms. Of course, we're also on Podbean, so wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to our show. We have one more episode coming up with an incredible guest that will be coming out shortly. Until then, Joy, you want to take us out? Yes, do not forget to um, subscribe to our channel and comment on YouTube and Rumble by typing in American Security Council Foundation. You can also go to our website, www.ascf.us. And until next time, please, jo please join us again next time for protecting our freedoms. Thank you so much. See you next week.